Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 48 of the podcast and before I get started I would just like to say a big warm thank you to all the teachers who tune in weekly and give up their time to listen to what we're producing and I tell you what today I have another absolute ripper for you. I've been fortunate enough to catch up with Joe Bailey. Now if you're not familiar with Joe's work I tell you what you're in for a treat. Joe shares all her wisdom, all her knowledge, and not above that, the passion that she has for creating amazing content and educating students. So listen up, get involved. Joe is a superstar, and this is an episode that you're going to really enjoy. G'day, Joe. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Now, for listeners around the world, I'm based over the opposite side of the world to you and we're just talking about the difference in temperature at the moment. Can you explain what the temperature is like and where actually you are at the moment? So I'm in uh, Wausau, Wisconsin, which is if you look on your map and find Chicago and drive kind of north for about four hours and then take a left into the centre of Wisconsin, then um, that's where I am. It is, it's actually reasonably warm for winter today. It's about minus five Celsius. Um, but yeah, I just, as I was just saying to you, Dale, it's going to be sort of down to minus 15, minus 20 later on this week. So wow, I can't even comprehend that. I was yeah. saying to you, I was running a workshop yesterday at a school and it was 41 degrees with humidity nearly at about 95%. So we are completely opposite sides of the world. But oh, yeah. one, one thing we do have in, passion, uh, in common is our passion for teaching. And um, I really wanted to get you on here because... I've been a big admirer of yours from the early days following you on Twitter um, and then also I've seen you in action recently last year and things like that. So for people, my listeners particularly, Joe, can you give a little bit of a background on your teaching and things like that? So, um, yeah, it's going to paint the picture for everybody listening at home. So um, cut a long story short, so I'm English, but I moved to Hong Kong and went to school there um, throughout my secondary schooling um, and I... Did did a, I did teach for two years in England, and then I was back in Hong Kong teaching uh, secondary school there. And I moved to the US in 2004, and I've been teaching fired at uh, De Severest Senior High School uh, since then. So I've kind of been lucky enough to experience some different cultures, different places, um, different kind of teaching methodologies, and so on. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at today, really. Yeah, nice. And, and I suppose. Um, being in Hong Kong, I know it's a really popular uh, international sort of destination for teachers. How did you go from leaving Hong Kong and start teaching in US? <laughs> well, well, my, my husband, um, he he's the reason why we moved over here. So he um, runs a tennis business, and that's why we moved. And you know, I'd looked at the local teaching schools and you know tried to figure out what hoops I had to jump through to get a teaching teaching license in the US. And like most places, you've got to you get your ducks in a row and and convert things from one language as it's even though it's English one language to another to fit in with the local area and um, I, I really spent the first year I kind of felt like I was in a movie because everything that I knew about American schools um, really was everything I'd seen on TV <laughs> and it which sounds really cliche but it was true and it was and it was you know it, it was a big adjustment because you speak English and so do the people in the country that you're in, 
but yet you're so different. Um, so understanding that, you know, I was used to those cultural differences from Hong Kong and so on, but even within the same language culture, how different things could be. So it, it was, it was not, I, I'm not going to lie, it was not an easy transition for the first few years, um, but it's, it's, it's wonderful now. You know, you get used to everything and you, you make changes accordingly and, and go from there. And I think that's probably why, why you're so uh, grounded and so renowned now, Joe, is because you've been able to adapt to that. Now, from my personal sort of, uh, sort of learning, it's quite hard to be able to teach in the US. Was, was that a hard process? Um, yeah, I guess yes, but no. I mean, I had to send up all my educational credentials to an external agency and they had to like change them into GPAs and this and that. And I don't know what sort of formula they use, but it seemed to work. Um, and I did have to like everybody who, and every state is different as well. So I'm licensed to teach in Wisconsin, but if I was to go and teach somewhere else, I'd have to jump through that state's hoops to meet their requirements. So wow. for Wisconsin, I had to actually do an English class and I had to do a math class to prove that I could speak English. And it was quite funny, you know, it's like, Oh, okay, fair enough. And I had to do one on Wisconsin Indians um, and more of a cultural thing as well. So that's going to vary from place to place too. And uh, what else did I have to do? Um, yeah, I think those, those are the main ones. It was the reading, the math one, uh, really, sorry, English reading, mathematics, and Wisconsin Indians were the ones I had to do until I got my, that, my full license without any stipulations. So... Yeah, nice. And so if you wanted to go, like, teach in L.A. or New York, you wouldn't just be able to go with your general U.S. degree. You'd need to go and do the same thing in those states? Yes. Some things would transfer over, but most states might have an additional requirement that I would have to meet um, within a certain – any person would have to meet within a certain amount of time of being there in order to fulfil whatever their requirements are. So, yeah, it does vary. Cool, cool. Now, uh, one of the big reasons I wanted to get you on today is uh, last year I was lucky enough to see you in action in Dubai where you were an amazing keynote speaker and I really enjoyed that. But the one that I loved the most was your masterclass session and um, the way that you use like inclusion and excitement and project adventure into your teaching. Now, um, for people out there, do you want to sort of, how do you do this? How do you put all that into one lesson and just get engagement from the students you're teaching? And I actually saw it with the teachers that are in your workshops. Like people didn't want to leave. How do how do you do this? If you could put it into a bottle and explain it to other teachers, how do you create that buzz? You know, it's, you know what? It's um, I just started reading this book this, yesterday called The Power of Moments, and I guess it's all about that. It's like what can you use to hook somebody, get them in and get them interested, and then go from there. And sometimes those beginning pieces are the most important. So, you know, I could, I could say to a group of people, all right, let's go and do a warm-up. Okay, it's not overly exciting. Or I could embellish it with all sorts of superhero things and we're going to solve a mystery and we're going to do this and just, you know, totally ham it up. And it's going to be taken completely differently by the, the group that you're delivering it to. So I think for, for me personally, some of the biggest things I learned through teaching was um, when I don't care about making a fall out of myself and I'm, you know, I'm happy to, you know, at like a superhero spy or <laughs> do stuff and, you know, roll on the floor and I will get down and do everything with the kids. They are much more likely to respond to that than if I say, hey, you go do this. And then I'm kind of the person on the sideline just observing. So I like to get 
down and involved and just get to know the kids and let just let them know it's all about the relationships let them know that I care and I'm invested in them all the time every day yeah I, I totally agree with that and I think by allowing yourself to look like a fool, it means that kids will feel more comfortable to do that. And obviously you agree with that. Now, you mentioned really important about a typical warm-up or the passion and enthusiasm you have. I personally think the first five minutes of a session is the most crucial. And um, would you sort of agree with this? If you don't set that tone early, then you could, your lesson is not going to be as positive. Or if you go in and say, I'm going to be a superhero and try and fly around and um, match that with your lesson that the outcomes and the interaction from the kids will be through the roof? Oh, it's, it's much, much better. Um, and also, if you can leave it, any sort of element of um, mystery. So, I, you know, I always make sure that wherever our, our home-based teaching area is, that they know, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing first. This is what I'm going to be learning today. But even though it's clear what they're going to be learning, it might not make total sense at the time when they're looking at it. They're like, what are we doing today? Yeah, yeah, yep. And, and, but it's got them kind of thinking, all right, this is a little different. So, um, oh, yeah, if you can get them in and get them moving and uh, you know, find out what's happening in their lives and just, just letting them know that you, you're, you're there, you know, you're, you're, there, you're there to help them and support them in whatever they're doing, it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, and I agree. And I suppose what you're sort of going there is sort of building that story, so the narrative sort of thing where yes. they're always in suspense. They want more, and the only way they get more is by being engaged in the lesson and they keep going. So that was one thing I, was, I, I loved in your masterclass. And um, one of the best things I saw was when you were making full-grown adults act like animals, yelling out in front of people, doing ridiculous <laughs> speeches. I think this was called Project Adventure or something. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Because you got the group, you had them eating out of the palm of your hands. They were all so confident, relaxed, and they trusted you. Some of the things that these grown adults were doing was pretty funny. I think the one that you might be referring to is the, is the, the 52-card pickup, and I actually did that with one of my classes today. And that one is literally, it's, you know, Whenever you get a group together, you want to start off with, okay, let's, you know, break that ice and get you to know each other and get you comfortable with each other. And the whole, a lot of the premise of Project Adventure and other things is there is a challenge by choice, but at the same time, you want to step out of your comfort zone. So that particular one, there's, there's all these cards that have different tasks on them, which might be for you as an individual, it might be for you and a partner, it might be you trying to get everybody's attention in the group to do one thing at once. And the nice thing is with Challenge by Choice, if you pick up a card and you're like, oh, I can't do this one, this is, this is a bit too much for a stretch for me, you can put it back down and someone else um, might do it. And I actually had a student today who she picked one up and she's like, oh, this is going to be a difficult one. And I said, <laughs> you know, you have a choice to put it down. She's like, no, I want to try and do it. And it was one where you had to command um, everyone's attention in the group and get them to freeze for five seconds. Yep. And it took, a, took her a couple of times to get her voice loud enough, but she did it. And everyone froze. And they were, went back to the combination of things they were doing, which in some cases was there was three students pretending to look through binoculars at people. Um, there was someone else trying to teach someone how to spell a word. And somebody else was playing Incy Wincy Spider. And it just, if you were on the outside looking at it, you'd be like, what on earth is going on here? <laughs> but but yeah, they were... <laughs> But they were making connections. They were supporting each other. They had to help each other. And that's more than anything. It's like you, we all, went, as soon as we're okay with helping each other and trying to elevate each other, 
everyone's going to win. Um, and not just focus on, it's all about me. It's like, yes, it's, you do have to look after yourself, but you've also got to look at, all right, what can I do to support other people around me so that we can all benefit? Yeah, and, and I did say that I can imagine for that girl, you know, being able to actually speak out in front of the group and get to everyone's attention. But what the game actually does is it doesn't p- get people to judge her. People go and go, ha ha, it took you three goes to do that. People would go, yep, bang, well done. I'm going to be a statue now for that five seconds. Now, with that activity, Joe, I... I absolutely loved it, but it's probably not one that you would just go into with a new group, is it? You'd need to sort of plant sort of that respect level and the way the games ran? Absolutely. And this is – so we uh, we just – I just started with these my new classes last week. So this is our second week. And with the first, you know, three, four days, we were solely um, set on – meeting each other and learning how to communicate and trying to find out what commonalities we had. So some of those really most basic things, I always do like a, I always make a, a specified people bingo. So I ask my students on the first day, okay, tell me some things about yourself. Um, let me know what I can share, what I can't share. And I make it into their own personalized bingo. So they, I mean, they, we, I had a student in the class who had been bitten by a shark and everyone's like, wow. we have a, someone who's been bitten by a shark. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I mean, the stories that some of these students were, t- were, were explaining and telling, and it was like, that's incredible. I, I, you know, someone else who's, who's got his commercial pilot's license. I mean, they have no idea how many amazing things that they have done. Um, and sometimes it is, you know, a, a pretty huge thing, but sometimes it's, it's much, much smaller. Like, you know, I'm, I, have a, I was chatting with one student today, and he plays six instruments. Wow. So I was asking, like, how, you know, where did you start? What do you play? Do you teach yourself? You know, and it's like just just not so much looking at um, how different they are, but what they also have in common with each other. Um, like use each other. Oh, I'm, a, I'm massive on students using each other as resources. That's so like some, I have some answers, but they've got to use each other and be okay with asking each other, hey, you, I've heard you've done this before. Can you tell me more about it? It's like why wouldn't we share the wealth? And I, I think that's amazing. And, and yes, there might be a little bit of work with you involved. And I know a lot of teachers use the human bingo or that to start off with, but they're generic questions. And yeah. so by actually investing time in them, that uh, they're actually really getting to know each other instead of like, oh, who's got a sister? Who's been overseas? Who likes pizza? You know, they're, they're pretty yeah. generic like, if you're going to do it, you may as well do it properly. And by the sound of things, you're actually getting to know your students on a much deeper level than just bracing, touching the surface, who's got a pet or things like that. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, you're right, it does take a bit of time. I spent, you know, I had gone through all that stuff and there were still a couple of students. I'm like, okay, what exactly do they mean? So I was running around the school trying to track them down in between classes. I'm like, okay, you wrote this. What did you mean by that? And sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes it was just a typo and sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, I missed, you know, I missed a word. I'm like, okay, perfect. Now I know what I can put in there that makes sense rather than me trying to interpret and get something wrong. But it is absolutely worth it. I love that so much. And I can can already see students in your class going, wow, she's taking this, Miss Bailey's taking this time to actually go around, speak to all of us. So you, you've already won them over by doing that little bit of hard work at the start of the year. Not only do you get to know them better, you make everyone feel comfortable, but you could basically do whatever you want for the rest of the year because you've earned their trust. Yes, and, and that's, that's a big thing. It's, it's, you know, particularly students of you know, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, they're not initially trusting. They, they come with a healthy dose of scepticism. They're, you know, that part of it is what's in it for me. What, what's the why behind it? So... 
I have to, you have to work really hard to get that. But once you've got it, everything else tends to come a little bit easier. Yeah, I, that's, that's so true. And I remember advice when I got when I was growing up as a teacher when I started that our school year starts now and they said, don't smile till Easter. And I'm like, yes. well, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because it doesn't matter when you smile, if you don't earn the respect of your students, particularly older ones, um, then <laughs> that's just stupid. Like, you're not being a hard ass If you don't invest time yeah. and want to get to know them, it doesn't matter if you smile or not. No, you know what? I was told exactly the same thing. And it's like, and you look back and you think, oh, that's ridiculous. Yes. You know, how, how can you want someone to put themselves in, a, in, in what, you know, in our environment, it, it can be quite vulnerable. You want them to put themselves out there and yet you're, you could be creating an environment where you, you're preventing them from putting themselves out there if you're not careful. And that's, that's what I mean. You're going against everything that we want to do. Yeah. So if you're listening here, and I know I get a lot of listeners, Joe, that um, I do a lot of work with new teachers and teaching agencies. So teachers going out into new areas each day. You need to listen to what Joe's saying here because by going in with that method that, no, it's my way, this is how we're doing it, not being warned, not being open, not being smiling or showing anything about yourself, the kids are never going to respect you. They're never going to open up and they're never going to feel comfortable with what you're doing. So, um, Joe, I normally finish my episodes with this, but while we're on the topic of, you know, starting your class and things like that, um, I love icebreakers and I know that you are fantastic with them as well. Do you, do you have one go-to icebreaker that you're like, bang, that works a treat every time? Oh, I'll put you on the Joe. spot. I'm really, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I normally keep this to the end, and people go um and ah, but I think it just sort of flows nicely because it is so important. If you don't set that tone at the start of your class, it doesn't matter if you smile or not. The kids are going to really despise you. Um, I guess it's kind of an icebreaker, but I often do it, and it it kind of goes alongside with the people bingo type thing. But I do a meet and greet with a few of my classes where, again, I I, I emphasise my my main principles are, you know, I want to be inclusive and I want my students to expect failure and embrace it and be okay with it. Like we, um, we did something last week with um, a Frisbee challenge where they had to get from point A to point B and back. But if the Frisbee hit the ground, then they had to make some decisions as to what they wanted to do. You know, they, they could have a freebie, they could choose some activities. So they had to drive, choose what they wanted to do. And we discussed at the end, you know, how many of you threw a bad pass on purpose? You know, how many of you dropped the Frisbee on purpose? But it happened. It's what, it's how you respond to it that's the most imp- appropriate thing and what you can do um, kind of around that to help that better. So we, we moved on from there and did this whole meet and greet. And, again, the whole premise being it's okay not to know what you don't know, but also phone a friend. So if I know something, why would I keep it to myself when I can help someone else? So we just kind of go through meet um you kind of do it speed dating style. So you you paired up with somebody, you, you have an activity together for a, a partnership, and then between you and that person, you're trying to figure out, all right, do we know our planes of movement? If we do, fantastic. Um, write them down. If you don't, put a question mark, no problems. Um, you will do by the time we're done. So just simple things where you put them at ease with not knowing things and also with helping each other out. I mean, that's the culture. It's like if you can get be okay with helping each other, be okay with, not knowing what you know, um, and where where possibly, you know, providing choice. Hey, we're all going to work towards the same um, goal or end, but how you get there is going to be different from you. So student A might choose this piece of equipment, student B chooses that, student C chooses something else, but it doesn't matter because you're all 
aiming towards the same goal. And I, I like that how you give them choice as well and you actually have some equipment in there because a lot of icebreakers or team building games are typically, you know, it's paper, scissors, rock, it's remembering names or things like that, whereas you're actually allowing them to experiment and pick what would work best and then talk about that together. So I can see that the power of meet and greet, speed, speed dating, frisbees, all this together, that would be just one epic game. Yeah, and it's, it, like I said, it's, it's once they start to relax and just realise, hey, it's okay if I don't know something. Oh, like, like, I, I wish I'd learned years ago that it was okay not to know something. Because yeah. um, I think, particularly as teenagers, you're that's that's a big fear of like, oh, I don't want to look like I'm stupid or I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not smart. And it's like it's not that you're not; it's just that you don't know what you don't know, and we, and be okay with it. Yeah, and I think allowing the students to be like that, and I, and I know that comes from you as well, because we don't know everything as teachers, and I know that you allow that side of yourself to shine as well, Joe. So um, moving on to the next bit, that was amazing. I love that. Now, another big passion of yours is running, and I know this because you talk about it a lot on Twitter yes. um, and you mentioned it in your keynote and so forth, but teacher wellness is really important, and um, I know we're both on the same page with this. Do you have any routines uh, that you do daily that is just a must? Oh, I, well, I always try to get my water in, uh, and that's not always easy either. Um, I have, in fact, this, and this is, this is because of you, I'm start, I'm trying to do some more mindfulness practices and I got, uh, the resilience app, Perfect. Good. um, came from you, one of your podcasts, which was, which was fantastic. And I was, I tell you, I was, I've never been a massive meditation kind of person. And after the, uh, I did the first reflection piece and asked, you know, how your day was and what happened and, you know, what activity you did and how, how well you ate. And the mindfulness breath, I thought, oh, 10 minutes, you know, can I, can I do this? <laughs> and I was blown away um, by the difference it made. I was like, oh, my God, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and just 10 minutes of breathing and just focusing on yourself in a quiet space. So I'm like, okay, I need to get – I need to keep building that in. Um, I try and move as much as possible. And I, I've been a bit of a rut recently. I was sick and just oh, other things came up. And, you know, just – so for me, um, making sure that I do something, whether it's, you know, on that spectrum of it's just going for a walk versus, you know, getting 10 miles of running in something because it's going to make a difference. Um, so that's hugely important. Trying to make sure my food is organized ahead of time, because if I got my you know, good quality food organized, then I know that part's going to go right. And it's not easy. I'm no, not going to lie. There's there's weeks when you you're absolutely way ahead of it, and there's weeks when you're like, oh my goodness, uh, this is not good. Um, and I, I think it's also important to share that with you. I mean, I had a student the other day, and we were discussing, um, you know, as in my venture class, I have them do uh, a couple of projects during the semester, and the idea is that I want them to go out and do something different they wouldn't normally do, because a lot of you know these students they're going to be leaving home, they're going to be leaving school you know, relatively soon. I want them to be comfortable with seeking out the unknowing, trying new experiences and so on. And um, we were talking about stuff and I said I'd gone skiing the other day and I hadn't been for a while. And they said, well, I don't think I could do that. I, you're, you know, you're the sort of person that it would be easy for. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't assume something's going to be easy for somebody else. I mean, you know, there's, there's days when I put my shoes on to go for a run and it's such a struggle. And there's other days where you... You know, you feel like you're the fastest thing ever, which you're not. But anyway, you feel like it. 
and there's everything in between and trying to share those struggles with them as well. Like I'm so tired today, you know, and ha have them think that I think there's this perception sometimes that if you teach PE, you must, you know, just be 100% perfect all the time and super healthy. And, and that's not true. Uh, so finding that balance sleep. Oh gosh. I'm, Make, trying to make sure that I sleep enough. That's a big one. Um, putting the electronics away. That's, a, that's a big one, one I'm getting better at. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of the small things. Trying no, to do the, the think, regret. With yeah, I think, I think that's really uh, – I'm, I'm really excited that you've started to meditate. I think you're very similar to myself, Joe. I, <laughs> I've always been super scared of meditation. And I just – because I haven't understood it. And when I have done it, I don't think it's been suited to me. Whereas – that app, and I speak highly about it, and I spoke to Andy Vasily in an episode last week, and um, I was explaining to him, and he does it, he meditates every day, but for myself, I can't do that, and, it, and just a simple breathing activity, I can give up 10 minutes a day, so, and yeah. like yourself, it's, that's an excuse if you can't make 10 minutes, isn't it? Like, everybody's got spare 10 minutes. Yes, exactly, and you have to look at it again from the perspective of, you know, you've, you've, you've You've got to invest in yourself because if you don't invest invest in yourself, how can you help anyone else? And it is it, it pays dividends. It pays it pays way more than the ten minutes that you put in. Um, and I and I I'd say you know I, I think I, we're a little light in the fact that you're you're very high energy and I like a lot of high energy things as well. So things that involve less movement or more sedentary stuff aren't always my cup of tea, but. Yes. And I realized, actually, this this does offer something else, and I need to embrace that and take time for it. And, yeah, it was it was a really good surprise. I was like, wow, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad you enjoy that. Now, this is one that I'm just going to throw in a little bit of left center, but when Fitbits come out, Joe, there was about, <laughs> I think there was about 15 of us at, uh, from around the world that become this little challenge about getting steps and you would beat me every week. You, uh, if I got 150,000 steps for the week, you'd get 160,000. Now, I've never asked you this, but did you just want to beat me every week? Because my goal, I didn't even know who you were, but I was like, this Joe Bailey beats me every week. What, you were just, you, you're the step queen. So obviously, that was that, is that a motivation? You like seeing results, or you like to keep challenges with a Fitbit or an Apple Watch? Yeah, I do like the challenge part. And that, that came out, gosh, it must have been about getting into four years ago now. I was, I think I was cranky one day, and then I realized the previous, that day I hadn't moved a whole lot. Okay. Um, you know, I had various commitments, and I was like, Rrr. and the previous week I'd been walking and running on the beach and doing some other bits and pieces, and I noticed that like, all those days I'd got over 20,000 steps. So I can't remember how it started, but I decided I was going to, 20,000 steps was a good number, and I was going to, you know, try and target that. So I did it. And I never really had an idea of how long I wanted to do it for to start off with. And I ended up doing it for a whole year. Um, and I just liked what it did. It just, it, it, I think it made me, it changed my mindset on things. Like, you know, before I might, if I was going shopping, I'd, you know, maybe go around the car park a couple of times looking for a close parking spot. And then all of a sudden I was like, who cares? I need to throw this one away. It's easy. <laughs> and then you realize you're actually saving time because, you know, you've gotten out of the car, you're in the shop already, where people who are going around in circles are still going around in circles. And when you, you know, if, I, if I'd left something upstairs, I'm like, oh, I've got to go back and get it. Now I'm like, oh, who cares, more steps. And even my kids started using it. They're like, oh, mom, do you want to go and do this? It gets you more steps. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, but, but it, it made me feel better. 
So that was my primary motivation. Then I just kind of get going and get kept going. And of course, eventually those streaks, they always come to an end and which is fine. And in fact, I've been in a, in a bit of a rut recently with it. But actually I was not yesterday because I did get a lot of steps, but it didn't, you know, it didn't send the right thing. But, you know, it's, it, to me, it's, it just, it's nice to be told, Hey, well, it's like a, a virtual pat on the back to say, well done. And I do like the feedback, the feedback it gives you. I do like the fact that now they tell you uh, a lot of these um, type devices tell you to get up yeah. every hour and do something because we do need those reminders. Um, we're, you know, I'm lucky I'm in a job where I'm moving all the time, but I, I, you know, my, my fear is, gosh, imagine if I was, you know, I had an office job that was very sedentary, you know, just, we need those reminders to work those things in, you know, take, take a walk to go and talk to someone rather than send them an email. If you can, just, just the little stuff that really adds up. So I I totally agree. And, um, for me personally, I average, I try and average 20,000 steps a day too. And for people listening home, that is quite a lot. The, the recommended yeah. daily average is 10,000. So if you're getting that, that's fantastic. Um, obviously, you can probably tell by Joe and myself, we are quite high energy and we need that sort of little bit of challenge. <laughs> and I suppose that leads on to the next thing. For myself for Christmas, Joe, I bought myself a new Apple Watch. And since I got that, I've just been loving. I love data and I wanted to keep trying to get more and more steps and more and more distance every day. Is there something that you have purchased in the last year that has changed your teaching? Oh, it could be um, it could be an app, it could be a new book, um, it could be an iPad, a computer, it could be a bit of sports equipment, it could be an Apple Watch, it could be anything. I'd say there's a couple of books. Um, number one, there's a book by Jane McGonagall called Super Better. And the second one is a book by Michelle, and I'm forgetting her last name right now, um, called No Sweat. And both of those, they really focus on the mental aspect of what we do. And, you know, because, I mean, I think you ask most people, is it important to be active? They're going to say yes, and they they might spout off a whole lot of health benefits. But the, the same motivators for people to actually get out and do something aren't, you know, I don't go for a run with my primary motivation about, okay, I'm going to make my heart stronger and my circulatory system is going to be better. And that's not my primary motivation. It's the emotional side of things. And both of those books really dig deep into that and how to, again, sort of mentally and positively beat yourself, you know, to, to keep making improvements in, the, in, in whatever it is that you're doing. So to, to shift your mindset from what might, you might have thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be really hard too. Hey, uh, this is going to be hard, but that's okay because I have these superpowers and I can do this and take on a new challenge. Just look at it, just, again, look through things in a different lens. So I think those two things, they've sort of changed my framing for teaching as well. So things I would have previously said, well, you know, you should lift weights because it's going to improve your muscular strength and so on. Yes, that is important. That's a great benefit. But let's look at all the other things it's going to do for you. And helping helping my, like me my, and my students find their own personal why because it's all going to be different and it's going to change over time as well. Um, so those two being particularly, you know, enlightening reads that, yeah, they've got a lot of great stuff in them. I like that. And, and as you said, like, yes, there are so many physical benefits from exercise, walking, lifting weights, whatever, but it's the other things that people don't realise when they start doing it, you know, they're sleeping better, they're happier, they're not fighting at home, you know, they've yeah. got more energy, they're like – everything else flows on from that and people don't realise that. So I think by leaving that open to our students to sort of figure out is a really powerful thing to do. Now, 
Joe, final question, and I must admit I stole this from Andy uh, Vasily the other day when he flipped around my interview that I was doing with him and asked me this question. I think it's a really nice way to finish off. So my little question to you, Joe, is uh, what you know now, so obviously you've been teaching for a number of years, you're an experienced educator, world-renowned. If you could look back on your first day of teaching, what would you want to tell yourself now from all that experience you've learned? What would be the one thing you'd tell yourself to do? Only one thing. <laughs> Just I think it'd be a lot longer this than that. Um, oh, gosh. I've, I've, I told I've you I was going to put you on the one. spot today. I, I did mention that I was going to put you on the spot and ask some really hard-hitting questions. If you need to have two, I'll allow two, Joe. Okay, definitely be okay with not knowing things. Yes, good Like one. you don't have to know everything. And if you don't, um, you just, I just let the kids know. And you know what? I don't know that, but let's find out because that's a, that's a good question. Um, and what else? Just relationships first, content second. Very good. I, I, I think that's short, sweet, and very simple. And um, I think too often not, particularly new teachers, and I know I was a little bit like this, that I didn't want people to know that I wasn't confident doing things. I wanted mm-hmm. them to realise that I could do everything. And I actually had no idea. And what you end up doing is stressing yourself out. So yes. I, I love that idea of... You know, that's what people are there for, teachers. We've all been in the same situation. So if you're just starting out, don't feel like you have to know everything because that is unrealistic. The only way you're going to learn is by surrounding yourself with mentors, with other amazing teachers that you learn as you go. So I think being okay with not knowing or okay with failing is a really powerful thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. Life became so much easier when I was okay with not knowing stuff. Yeah, it really pulls a weight off your, off your shoulders. Now, yeah, totally. Joe, before we finish up, because I know people, this is like, wow, Joe Bailey, superstar teacher, where can I find out more about you and where can I follow you and get some of these amazing ideas and everything that you're doing? Okay, you can find me on Twitter at lovefyed, L-O-V-E-P-H-Y-E-D, um, I do blog, albeit infrequently, although having said that, I was writing a blog post earlier today, and that is uh, lovefire.blogspot.com. Um, ooh, what else? Or you could drop me an email, um, baileyjoanna9 at gmail.com. Perfect. And I'll, I will put those in the show notes today. So if you are listening along at home, go to the show notes and you'll be able to check out Joe's amazing blog, which is fantastic. It's always up to date and there is some really quality content that Joe uses with her teaching, different ideas she has, and also when she's presenting all over the world. And if you are on Twitter, I know I go on about this every episode, but Twitter has changed my life through teaching. And Joe was one of those early Me pioneers that I, that I followed. And, and if people are... If teachers are not on there, why do they need to get on there, Joe? I think you've got a lot of people who are, you know, by just by being on there and looking for something from a physical education or health perspective, you know, whatever area you're involved in, you've got like-minded people who are also looking to learn, to share. Um, you know, I've, I've seen so many things on there that I thought, hmm, I can take that and use that when I, while I'm teaching this or I've asked a question about something. People are just willing to help willing to share or if they don't again if they don't know the answer they might point you in another direction and I also like they're willing to also question just say oh have you thought about this or um hey I've you know or, or add extra elements onto something that you had tried I just it makes you richer I think anytime that we can 
you know, be give each other feedback um, and help each other grow, that's that's a hugely positive thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. And the best thing about Twitter is it's free. There are so many teachers out there willing to help you and not only teachers that you deal with every day. And I think this is why I love it so much that you can get really get caught up in your own school and everything that goes on there. Whereas on Twitter, it is a whole world. There's teachers from all walks of life doing all amazing different things. So you're getting a different set of eyes, a different viewpoint than what you may get from the same colleagues you're with every day. So if you are not on it, take Joe and my advice and get on there. Um, Joe, thank you so much for giving up your time today. It's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. And I, I have to say a huge thank you to you too because I was also lucky enough to be at your session in Dubai, which was amazing. And I keep thinking about different ways I can use the emoji activities that you showed us <laughs> and the dice ones. And, again, you just you had that, that story spin that brought everybody together and you forgot what you were doing. So I thank you for what you're doing um, on here in the podcast and everywhere else because, I'm, like I said, I've, I've learned a lot from you too, so I really appreciate it. Oh, Joe, you've made me blush. If only people could see the blushing through the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for being on today, Joe. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me.